Welcome to the Gather Houston podcast. We are a Christian community practicing the way of Jesus in all parts of life and for the good of all people. Thank you for joining us today. Hey, Gather family. I'm Adam. I've been a member here for a few years now. Um, Watched online for a while before finally joining right after Easter in 2020 in the height of the pandemic. And uh, I have known Josh and Andre for many, many years, went to school with them. And honestly, I'm surprised they're allowing me to preach once again. So very honored to be here. Very happy to be a part of the Gather community. And uh, just want to say thank you uh, up front for listening to me talk. Um, So uh, let's get into it. You may or may not be aware Uh, that today is the first Sunday of Lent, the traditional church season of Lent. And let me explain that for for just a minute. Um, Lent is intended to be a season of reflection and preparation. Lent originated in the very earliest days of the church as a preparatory time preceding Easter. When Christians would reflect, uh, intentionally reflect and think about and focus on kind of the the suffering and the struggle within the human experience, it's a time to wrestle with with pain, with grief, with loss, with weakness, and and really the reality of death as one prepares for the hope of Easter when the Christ comes and defeats death and overcomes the grave uh, and brings hope and healing to suffering. And so Lent is that time in which you, you, you're, you're focusing on the darkness, preparing for the resurrection light. And so therefore, you know, Lent is this 40-day period before Easter. Lent actually began just a few days ago on Ash Wednesday earlier this week, and it will go all the way up until the night before uh, Easter morning. Where when we celebrate the resurrection of Christ. And, and by observing the 40 days of Lent, the individual Christian, in a way, imitates Jesus' own withdrawal into the wilderness for 40 days, which is the Bible passage we're going to take a look at here in just a little bit. It's also the reason why many people in various Christian traditions choose to observe Lent through fasting. And don't worry, I am not going to ask you to give up food in this sermon. There are way too many nutritionists in this community for me to talk about food in any way that's authoritative and and probably way too much religious trauma to talk about fasting, myself included. So we are not doing that today. Um, But here at Gather, our focus for Lent, for this Lent season, is the transformative journey of moving from fear to love. Throughout the season, we will reflect on the goal of the human life, which is to be transformed. And to be clear, we're not talking about being transformed out of the human life, out of our humanity, but, but being transformed more fully into our humanity, embracing our humanity fully. Because the story of Lent is the story of love confronting fear. And to know love is to be fully human. I do want to take a look at the biblical passage, and as I was preparing, we're going to look at Luke 4, uh, verses 1 through 13, and I debated on whether or not I wanted to like read the entire passage or just take snippets out, but I do think I I, I would like to read through the whole thing. So just bear with me. It's 13 verses. Um, Here we go, Luke 4, 1 through 13. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. 
Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. Then the devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all the authority and all the splendor. It has all been given to me and I will give it to anyone that I want. If you worship me, it will be all yours. But Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him up to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Now, there's an obviously a lot going on in this passage, and, and we could really you know spend all go all sorts of different directions and spend a ton of time breaking this down. But what stands out to me primarily is the contrast between the devil's voice, the voice of fear, and Jesus's voice, a voice of love. Three times there is an exchange between these two voices. First, the voice of fear is that universal human fear of scarcity. You don't have enough. You'll never have enough. You aren't enough. You'll you'll never be enough. Your hunger and your thirst, well, it'll never be quenched until you manipulate the context to get more. Only excess will satisfy fear. You know this voice? I, I, I have this voice speak to me. Second, the voice of fear is that universal human desire for unfettered power. You can acquire all authority. If you do this or do that, you can acquire all wealth, all influence. It can be yours. If you seek more power, then you'll silence the voice of fear. Third, the voice of fear is that universal attempt to leverage power in order to control others. If you are who you say you are, then then make others serve your needs. Make others serve your desires. Put them to the test. Make them do what you want them to do so that you can uh, get the outcome that you want. Assert your power to control and dominate others for what you think is necessary. And then they'll fear you. The voice of fear. But in each instance... Jesus, as he most commonly does, through the voice of love, fully embraces his humanity in the face of these voices of fear coming at him. The voice of love responds to the temptation of scarcity by embracing contentment. I am enough. I don't need excess to thrive. The voice of love responds to the temptation of power by embracing service. I choose to serve and embody God's love. I don't need absolute power. And the voice of love responds to the temptation of control by embracing dependence. I rely upon God and I rely upon his community. I don't need to manipulate others for my own gain. 
I think we can all relate to this contrast. Maybe, maybe even today you have kind of like heard this, these warring voices within yourself, these universal voices of fear that I think it's just part of the human struggle, but also this, this response in the voice of love. This is what moving from fear to love looks like, I think, with Jesus's example. As Jesus embraces his full humanity, you know, like he, he, he's fasting, he's in the wilderness, he's in a dangerous place, he's extremely vulnerable in this situation, and yet he kind of sits in that. He embraces that vulnerability, he embraces that full humanity, and he silences the voice of fear, which is trying to dehumanize there's something about Jesus embracing love and embracing that moment of vulnerability that makes him more human versus embracing the fear, which makes him less human. In fact, embracing the acquisition of excess power and control will always lead to dehumanization and humanitarian disaster. You know, the voice of fear has been rather loud this past week. We're seeing governmental leaders fully embrace the pursuit of excess, the desire for unfettered power, and the attempt to control their context and other populations. Look, pastors and preachers are always looking for really good illustrations and analogies to kind of anchor their sermons and anchor their communications and their narrative. Um, and this week, my goodness, <laughs> um, I feel like I have been provided plenty of examples. I don't think I'm going out on a limb here to say that Vladimir Putin uh, is embracing the voice of fear rather than the voice of love. Tragically, the unprovoked violent invasion of the peaceful sovereign nation of Ukraine is the outcome of a corrupt authoritarianism sacrificing innocent lives and the pursuit of excess power and control. It's playing out on our TV screens constantly. But this example does not only exist in foreign lands some way, you know, halfway across the world. On February 22nd, right here in Texas, our own Governor Greg Abbott issued a letter to the Texas Department of Family and Protective Services, DFPS, also known as CPS, asserting that gender-affirming medical care for minors constitutes child abuse and parents who provide or support the medical treatment should be investigated by DFPS, placed on the child abuse registry, and potentially have their children taken away from them and out of their home and placed into foster care as wards of the state. Governor Abbott based this directive on the legal opinion of our own Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton. Now look, once again, I don't think I'm going out on a limb here to say that Abbott and Paxton are listening to the voice of fear rather than the voice of love. As an aside, just really quick, uh, a little bit more about me. I'm proud to work for a nonprofit organization, a nonprofit law firm that supports um, and, and represents parents and children involved in CPS cases. That's, that's what we do. That's why we exist. 
I work for Foster Care Advocacy Center, and we are a partner of Gather Houston. We, we, very, we are very proud to be a partner of this church. We're very thankful for that partnership. We're thankful for the financial commitment that the church has made to our work because we could not do this work without organizations and people like you. But this is our field of expertise, and it just so happens that I was asked to preach on this Sunday in the fallout of this directive by our governor. And there's a lot of details that need clarifying, and you are more than welcome to message me and reach out to me. I'm happy to answer any questions you might have. You can follow FCAC, our organization, uh, on social media. We, we're you know, constantly posting updates and clarifications. But for now, let me be clear. This directive is not legally binding. It is an opinion. However, even though the law has not changed, state agencies, DFPS, CPS, are still absolutely obligated to follow this directive, which means parents of trans youth in Texas, in our community, right now are at risk of losing their children and being placed on the child abuse registry. Trans children are absolutely right now at risk of having their health care taken away and being taken away from their families and put into state custody and the foster care system. Look, I don't mean to be a downer today. <laughs> I mean, the whole Ukraine situation has caused me great grief. The, this situation here in Texas with our trans youth has caused me great grief. But I, I promise you there is hope. The voice of love is always louder than the voice of fear. We just have to listen for it. I, I do not sit in the hearts or in the homes of trans children in Texas and their families. I do not know the discussions they are having, the, the medical consultations they are seeking, or how much strength and courage it takes to make the decision to move forward with gender-affirming care. But what I do know is this is not what child abuse looks like. Our organization sees child abuse every single day, and I could tell you story and story, but I won't. Child abuse does not look like compassion and care and provision. Child abuse does not look like supporting and affirming a child's needs. Child abuse does not look like making hard decisions for your child when you know you will be faced with public scorn and apparently now even legal action. Child abuse looks like a child who's been battered and scarred, who's been left to face the world alone, who's been abandoned, who's been broken beyond repair by the adults who were entrusted with their care. Child abuse looks like what the state of Texas is doing to trans children by removing them from their medical care, their dignity, and the safety and security of their own families and homes. So what is the voice of love saying in response? Well, I know what our organization is saying in response. Our pro bono legal program will represent any and all parents that are investigated by CPS for providing or overseeing the gender-affirming care of their trans children. 
we will represent them at no cost to the parents. Our legal staff is ready to go. We have an, a, a designated attorney and designated legal support staff ready to defend and fight for the rights of these parents. And if you are that person or you know someone who is that person, you need to reach out to our office immediately. We are ready to take your case. Info at fcactexas.org. And look, I think that's what the voice of love is saying in this specific situation, because that is what embracing love rather than listening to the voice of fear looks like. I don't, you don't need someone with a microphone to tell you that the human experience is difficult, (laughs) is challenging and comes with all sorts of hurdles and barriers and feelings and thoughts and emotions. It's tough, but there is hope. The voice of love still speaks loudly, despite all of our frailty, all of our uncertainty. I think of Jesus in the wilderness, hungry, thirsty. Despite the frailty and vulnerability of that moment, the voice of love still speaks. So hear me today on this first Sunday of Lent. The pursuit of excess and power and control will only perpetuate the dehumanization of others. Fortunately, there is an alternative. As I said, there is hope. Jesus embracing the fullness of his own humanity is an excellent example of that alternative as he embodies the voice of love as he embodies contentment, as he embodies service, as he embodies a reliance upon community. And I just feel like that's how I would describe gather in all of you. But may I ask you this morning, what would it look like in our own lives to say, I am enough? I don't need excess to thrive. I choose to serve and embody God's love. I don't pursue absolute power. What would it look like to say, I rely upon community. I don't manipulate others for my gain. What does it mean for us to listen to the voice of love today, tomorrow, every day? especially in these days of societal upheaval. What's the voice of love saying to you right now? And what would it look like for you to move out of fear and into love? Again, here at Gather, our focus for the Lenten season is the transformative journey of moving from fear to love. Throughout the season, we're going to continue to reflect on the goal of human life which is to be transformed, not to transform out of our humanity, but like Jesus in the wilderness to transform more fully into our humanity, to embrace our humanity with all of its challenges. Because the story of Lent is the story of love confronting fear. And to know love is to be fully human. I'm so honored and thankful to be able to Uh, begin our Lent season together, because the invitation of Lent is to hear the voice of love and to fully embrace our true humanity from fear 
to love. I love you, Gather family. Thanks for listening. If you're interested in Gather, check out our website at gatherhouston.org or visit us on Sunday at 10 a.m.